Welcome to the Contract Lens Podcast, brought to you by Malbec. In this podcast, we have conversations with contract management thought leaders and practitioners about everything contracts and its ecosystem. Today's episode examines the intersection of legal and contract management with special attention to where those interests align or may come into conflict. The discussion is led by Allison Martin, a business analyst at Malbec, and she is joined by Ido Bargill, head of legal operations at Lawflex, which offers businesses an efficient and reliable way to temporarily expand their legal capacity by hiring experienced lawyers on a short-term basis. At Lawflex, Ido uses his unique skill set to redesign in-house teams, making legal a partner to business. So now it's time to relax, grab a glass of wine, and let's talk contracts. All right, Ido, thanks for joining us today. We wanted to cover the topic of a rather challenging topic of the intersection between legal and between contract management. So you can have different groups that are at odds with their goals for their CLM. Legal groups tend to want very detailed information to be captured on every single contract. And uh, sales users, for example, tend to want to just get through the process. They just want to put in the bare minimum information and then just get on with their lives and get on with selling and not necessarily with the contractual details. And that can have repercussions on down the line. Other groups might be somewhere in the middle. Contract administrators tend to want the useful information, but they don't necessarily want as much detail as uh, legal administrators do. So it just kind of depends on where you fall in that spectrum. Um, And the management, of course, they want all the data. They want everything available to them in nice consolidated summarized reports, and they want to know that that data is accurate 100% of the time. So there's really an intersection that's happening within that CLM program where you have different users coming together who all have to work within the system together, and sometimes compromises need to be made there. So, Ido, I'm curious to learn from you what your experiences have been with legal data versus contract management and where those kinds of uh, discrepancies can happen. Cool. This is a great question. Um, I will answer in one line, uh, one sentence, just to, you know, so we can focus on something. But, but I guess it's a balance between all the different stakeholders. And eventually, your focus is, is the let's call the business need and, and the, the business requirements. So yeah, maybe Liga would like to have all the details, uh, you know, uh, uh, the venue and everything and the names and everything. And uh, on the other side, there, there are the salespeople who want to have the, the minimum necessary. But eventually, if you don't have the necessary data, you won't have a, a proper database that you can use. I can give examples for you uh, for the usage of a, a proper database, but one example is that you can you can do a very quick MA process if you know all the agreements that have a non-assignment and a, or unlimited liability in a click of a, of a button. And this is the the goal, by the way, also of the sales and legal and the management and everybody. Uh, but I guess that the main issue here is to balance. Uh, if you create something which is very long and everyone has to fill in 50 parameters of data, even the legal would be exhausted with doing that and no one will use the system. 
Yeah. And if you only uh, complete the, the, the names and, and, and the, the addresses or something like that, uh, you won't have a proper database. So I guess the main goal is to kind of balance between everyone and to explain the, the need, the business need. For example, as I said, if, you, if you, you are doing an IPO or even if you need a database, for example, just to know all the contracts with the limitation of liability, even the salespeople can understand that. I would like also to say one more note. I think that when you do that, on the one hand, you need to ask you know, all the stakeholders because everyone has a different perspective. But on the other hand, there, there should be someone who is making a decision. In that case, it should be the legal, and if I may say a person like me, a legal operations a consultant, which should be, in my opinion, an outside consultant that has no constraints or politics or something like that. You create a very good uh, brainstorming, uh, uh, you know, uh, discussion. Eventually, you will get to a point where you come to an agreement. But, but I do want to say that the legal must take the lead, and not technical people. Other people they don't they they don't have necessarily the the right point of view of the entire process and the impacts of, of having or not having a specific data. So, Ido, you brought up a really great point that I want to expand on is that identifying all of your stakeholders is really key to the process and preferably identifying them early on. I think everybody's probably been involved in projects. I know I certainly have where you get to the end, you get to your um, UAT or even after go live, which is the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And somebody pipes up and says, well, what about my group? You didn't talk to us and we need to have X, Y, and Z in our system. And I've been on those calls where there's just dead silence on the line because we missed those stakeholders early on in the process. And that can have really severe consequences later on. Um, So I wanted to, to support what you said there that identifying your stakeholders early on is key, talking to those groups and finding out exactly what you need. And as you said, if legal ultimately is running the CLM, you might not need to incorporate all of that, or you might not end up taking all of that information. But to know who they are and to know what their requirements are is a really huge part of that right up front. And you want to do that as early as possible. Correct. I agree with you 100%. I think that there are two sides of this coin, if I may say. First, what you said, you need to make sure that everyone is in the is in the loop. By the way, this is why I, when I, whenever I do a project, I insist on having a, a very short and focused needs mapping uh, project, like ki- kind of a preliminary project, where you discuss with all the stakeholders. And and in ninety nine point nine percent of the cases, people say, oh, you need to talk to three people and I end up with 10 because they didn't think about other stakeholders. And when someone is not in the loop, he feels neglected. And yeah. this is not the way to um, to make people um, happy. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, uh, if you want a project to be successful, you need to make people feel like they are, you know, part of a, of a project and also committed. And if they are not heard, no one will be committed. But if you are heard, even if, if someone is not accepting what you have to say, but you know he, he, he hears you and he understands what you need and he decides, okay, we can, we can take A, B, but not C and D. Uh, this is something that 
makes you know f uh, people feel uh, committed and and help with the project. So absolutely. Absolutely. And having people committed to the project also helps with user adoption. And this is something that I talk about a lot with my clients is that you want as much user adoption on the end as possible. And people who feel like they have been neglected through the process or they weren't heard are going to be dissenters and they can cause you a lot of problems, especially if they're back in the old days when we were in the office, if they were at the water cooler and saying, oh, well, that, that horrible new program, I don't like the way that it does this. And they can take someone who previously was happy or at least ambivalent with the program and make them unhappy with it. And they can really cause right. a lot of problems for you. So yeah, you want to avoid <laughs> avoid that situation for sure. Absolutely. And by the way, when you deal with legal people, sorry to say that I'm also a lawyer, you, you can double or multiply by, I don't know how much the, the feeling that people get when they deal with legal. So if you if you keep them out out of the loop or something like that, Basically, the, the baseline is that they hate or <laughs> dislike the legal people. So, so I mean, there's lawyer about, jokes for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, because you usually talk in a, in a different language and understand, you know, limitation yeah. of liability and many other terms. But if you talk like in a business way uh, and talk to them and understand their actual needs, uh, they, they understand that you are also a, a normal people and not only a lawyer. That's a great point to humanize yourself and to contact on a human level and not necessarily right. on a lawyer client level. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. Uh, do you think that there is a need for clients, even those working on the project who are not legal users to have at least a basic understanding of legal terms and of what's important in legal? Absolutely, absolutely. The goal of every project and specifically projects with CLMS, Contract Lifecycle Management System, Mm -hmm. uh, is to empower the people. By the way, when, when I do needs mapping processes, I always tell the people, be honest, talk about your pain points, because the goal is to empower you. If you don't say, well, I don't get the right uh, service, or there is a bottleneck every time I approach the legal team, we will not be able to solve the, the, these issues, never. So you need to come out, you need to say what you, you feel, you need to be honest, and and if you're, there is a line between, you know, empowering people and giving them something that they cannot deal with. I don't think that everyone in the company should have the right to decide on the limitation of liability. It doesn't make any sense. People, you know, have different uh, uh, rationalities and so on, and, and they can make uh, bad decisions. For example, three options to decide, I don't know, payment terms, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And I tell them, if you choose 90, it's better for the company. If you do 30, it's fine, but, but I prefer at least 60. You know, they, they, they feel like they are part of the process. They don't, they don't need to approach you with each and every, uh, you know, uh, simple question uh, like 30 or 60. And you can give them more and more power. For example... If the company should indemnify someone or not, this is something that you know should be discussed with the CFO and the legal and the CEO sometimes and so on. But there are many many other things that people can can decide and, and negotiate on. And I don't feel like uh, you know it's in the past it was like only legal people can talk about it. But but I I am a truly believer in in, in empowering people and and legal is 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 a language. And you can talk legal if, even if you are not a lawyer, 
as long as you understand the the you know the limitations. Yeah, that's a good point. You can anyone can learn to speak the basics of legalese. You don't have to go to law school and get a degree and all of that. I've personally I've been a contract manager in the past and I did that for quite a while and I got pretty good at legal terms and I've never been to a single law class ever. <laughs> but I can talk about indemnity with most people. <laughs> Correct. And I'm happy for you that you didn't go to a law school. <laughs> well, I <laughs> saved myself a lot of money that way too. <laughs> yeah. Some people call it the new law, but I think that let's call it the legal counsel 2.0, okay? Um, something like that. You, you, talking legalese is something that is no, I, I think is not considered as, uh, as being a good legal counselor or a lawyer. Now you need to talk kind of business legal uh, uh, language and not only legal. So, so you can definitely use other people. You can definitely make them feel committed. And if you talk to them on an eye to eye basis and not like I'm a lawyer and you are not a lawyer, it will also help the company to get more revenues, to get, you know, streamline their processes and so on. You know, and now that you mention it, a lot of the contracts that I've seen in the last oh, five to 10 years, I guess, have made more of an effort to write in plain English. And clients will tell me like, we are writing in plain English, we're trying to make this clear and to leave out as much of the legalese as possible. So maybe that's a trend that's happening in, in the legal world to kind of make things a little bit more accessible for people and to break down that barrier. As you said, it's a language difference. And if you're right. trying to break down that barrier, then you can better serve your clients that way. Working with multinational companies and specifically startups, I can tell you that no one is willing to listen to a lawyer who is talking legalese. Uh, they want a lawyer who can speak business language because eventually the bottom line is risks and revenues. And you need to make sure that you enable to you know, mitigate the risks, minimize them, but increase the revenues while doing that. So if you talk about, I don't know, theories of legal uh, whatever discussions so on it won't help you to be part of the team and uh, yeah I do agree with you on, uh, on everything here yeah yeah that makes sense it just alienates you same with technical people who speak in overly technical terms and the business can't follow it right. just serves to separate you from the team correct so another new question. So in instances where you have had maybe a difference of opinion between say a legal group and then a business group of users, what are some of the compromises that you've seen take place between those two groups? All of them should, should focus on, on the same bottom line, which is mitigating risks and increasing revenue. So I, I, I really don't think that there should be here any conflicts. I, I look at it a bit differently. I think that, you know, everyone should understand that the end goal is to make a deal happen. Sometimes the deal is very, I wouldn't say bad, but it's not as good as, as, as you know, as, as the organization wanted. Uh, because, for example, there are many risks or uh, unlimited liability for, uh, you know, engaging with a very important client and, and so on. So uh, the bottom line is not as good as, as expected or wanted. But in, in these cases, the legal should say, okay, this A, B, and C can ha could happen or not, you know, or, or, or couldn't happen. Percentages of, of things like that 
to happen are A, B, and C. By the way, you can you can also analyze if in the past, I don't know, 10 years, there was no uh, claim uh, involving the insurance coverage or something like that. So so it also mitigates the risk. Okay, you need to you need to see the entire picture, not to focus only on the legal uh, issue itself. And you need to make sure that both parties understand each other. If you do that, yeah, there might be some uh, shouting and, and uh, arguments and so on, but but people understand eventually that they have the same goal. So I represent. I'm not familiar with the lawyer saying, saying, listen, you cannot do that and that's it. You should say, okay, there is a risk by doing that. These are the chances, make the decision. Uh, I do want to get this deal done, but just understand that there might be some risks. So when you do that and when you talk to each other, you, you can solve everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately it is the the business's decision that you and I can work as consultants with them and we can make the best recommendations, but ultimately it's up to them to decide what's right for their business and for their company. Correct. And and, and again, I don't see even even, you know, I'm talking now as a GC uh, of uh, you know, startups and everything. Mm-hmm. Um I've never felt like you know, I'm not part of the business. And maybe this is something that I did uh, on purpose. Uh, I'm sure that I did it on purpose, but but I was always part of the management team and the business team and the discussions. And I made sure that I'm part of all the discussions because I, I feel like, you know, my I positioned the, the legal team and myself at, at the heart of the business. This is this this was my goal. I made myself an, an enabler and a business person, and I managed the legal team as a business unit. So I, I never had issues like that. I, I've never felt like, you know, I have to say, I, I have to stand and say, no, no one can move on. I, I, I can highlight the risks and we can make a decision afterwards based on everything. As long as you calculate and take into consideration all the parameters, every decision you make, even if it's, it's not the best, it's still legit. So I'm. I, you just brought up another thought to mind. What about parameters that didn't get considered before that maybe the team just missed? It can happen, mm-hmm. and it will happen. It's not a. It's not an issue of if. It's an issue of when. Uh, it will happen, and even if you make a mistake, you should admit to making a mistake. That's fine. I didn't consider that. I didn't see that. Uh, you know there. Are, it can happen. Even even the, the the smartest people on earth make you know make mistakes. That's fine. Right. We're all human, uh, right? Even the lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lawyers are not human. Uh, I'm kidding. And <laughs> I, again, I'm a lawyer too. We are humans, and and we make mistakes, and that's fine. And sometimes, for example, if if I asked you a year ago. Listen, uh, let's not move on with a specific project because there there will be a lockdown for one year. You would have said, what are you talking about, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And now there is a pandemic. So so I can tell you that when I was a GC, I I talked to my uh, uh, CEO and the management about the GDPR and everybody told me nothing will happen. And two years after, everyone, you know, it was a mess. And not not a mess from the point that we 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 did meet all the requirements and everything, but the entire world 
what was in, a, in you know didn't know how to deal with GDPR and, and uh, deletion of data and, and privacy and stuff like that because it was a huge revolution. Yeah. So yeah, there, there sometimes there, there might be things that you will not take into consideration, and you need to. Uh, you need to be agile and to understand that it can happen. Yeah, I remember that when that new when the new GDPR rules rolled out. And for me, as a non-European user, it really didn't have a lot of impact on me, except that suddenly I got floods of emails from companies that were updating their privacy policies and wanted me to right. know about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I remember that I think that during 2017, every U.S. company uh, that I was talking to said, ah, it's not relevant for us. In 2018, they understood that it, <laughs> it is relevant yeah. for them and made lots of changes. And then the privacy shield was, uh, if you remember, uh, terminated and so on and so on. In your experience, what are, what are the kinds of data or the data points that both sides agree on that don't really need a whole lot of discussion, but both sides are like, oh yeah, that's fine, we need that? It really depends on the industry. For example, if you work with a pharmaceutical company, those these terms are very common, and everybody agree on them. In in a, you know in in a high tech company or a sales oriented company, the revenue and the value. So I, I really think it, it depends on the specific industry. But 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 if I have to map, and, and I do that. Um, my methodology is uh, talking about eight to 12 common parameters that no one uh, argue on them. I'm talking about everybody would like to know if there is a limitation of liability, yes, no. Everybody would like to know if you have um, an obligation to provide insurance uh, certificate, yes or no. Again, I'm we were discussing about contract simplification it doesn't matter if you have if you need to provide within 30 days, it, it matters for the, the life cycle. But but when you do a BI afterwards, a BI process, you just need to know if it's a yes or no, for example. I do have to provide, you know, all the agreements that has uh, insurance obligations, for example. Um MA or non-assignment, uh, the ability to assign agreements, the, the venue itself, you know, choice of law, for example. Uh, confidentiality is one of them. The term, the, the termination or renewal. Everyone, everyone would like to know if you know you are committed to one year, two year, or if, if an agreement is is uh, automatically renewed or not. Uh, just you know, so you can uh, plan ahead what to do. So I guess these are the the main parameters. Uh, you know, even though some of them are legal, I don't think that in today's world. They are considered as legal parameters, but but I guess more of a business, you know, more mm -hmm. business parameters. And you have specific uh, parameters uh, for specific industries, as I said, uh, yeah. insurance uh, coverage for shipping, for example, for uh, you know uh, pharmaceutical companies or um, for companies who deal with uh, sending equipment and so on and so. On. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of that, is there any one particular data point where as soon as it comes up, it's a problem every single time? <laughs> mm, I, I don't think so. Usually what I see is that people, I think that I get the most, uh, most of the pushbacks when I say to people, listen, 
you have <laughs> you have uh, kind of mapped 80 different parameters that you would like to uh, you know to uh, collect mm -hmm. now let's take the 80 and make them 20 yeah and 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 they tell me okay so i'm going to lose lots of info and i tell them listen the fact that you can track data track data is fine but you don't you you cannot use all the data if you want to know for example you cannot make a report based on the the, the party's names okay it doesn't make any sense right but you can make a report based on a uh, which agreement has a mutual indemnification or a mutual confidentiality or a one-sided confidentiality something like that so you need to kind of I would say focus on the stuff that brings business added value. And this is where I get lots of uh, arguments because people, and I'm not talking only about the legal people, but people would like to get all the information and they forget that in order to collect lots of data, you need to also uh, complete lots of data. And if mm -hmm. you get a question, a, a form with 55 different parameters to complete, even legal people wouldn't complete the entire form because it's going to take them, I don't know, 15 minutes and it doesn't make any sense. It should take one yeah. or two minutes. That's it. And that, yeah. and that circles us nicely back to the beginning where it was that different groups and different users might have different goals and different intentions. But right. yeah, you're right. If it's If it takes 15 minutes to fill out, nobody's going to do that. No, no. And you're not going to have user adoption, and it's just going to be a big old mess in your database. Right. All right. Well, Ido, thank you so much for taking the time today to join me and talk about this. I think it's an important topic, uh, especially, as you said, not everybody wants to talk to lawyers. <laughs> mm -hmm. But but if you just start those conversations, you can start breaking down those barriers and get uh, get everybody to a point where you're working together and getting the data that you actually need and that's really best for your business. Yeah, as long as you hear everyone, it's fine. You don't have to agree and accept everything, but you need, you need, and again, you also need to balance. If, if in order to make a decision, you are going to talk, discuss for, I don't know, two months, you know, it's redundant. So you need to balance also here. You need to listen to people, but you need also to make a decision and to do a cutoff and say, okay, I, 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 I've, I've learned, I, I heard everyone. These are the decisions, let's move on. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you have to agree to disagree and move on. Well, Ido, thank you so much. Appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. <laughs>